Hello, and welcome to another episode of Somewhat Damaged. I'm your host, Greg Alperin, and with me, as always, John B. This week, we welcome the legendary Greg Fitzsimmons. Happy New Year to everybody, right? It is Happy New Year. That's what today is or yesterday. Yes, it is Happy New Year. Okay, got it. Just making sure. It's yeah. Like the sixth down. Yeah, Kippur is the next one where we have to be sorry for everything. Right. And I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to eat for 24 hours. Correct. Correct. I, I typically try to get to 9.30 a.m. And I feel good about myself. Bad. It's not bad. Hey, you know, it's a solid nine and a half hours into the day. So it's, I look at it as a win. Well, I'm a goy, so I eat. I am. Yeah, I I am. I, um, I'm a non-practicing. Yeah. But, yeah, I was raised. It's funny. My mother is a, is 100% Italian Catholic from the Bronx. What right? part of the Bronx? Um, country club. Oh, yeah. I, I was born in Throg's Neck, which is the yeah. next. Yeah. Next right. Yep. My dad's born in New Rochelle. Um, they lived in Pelham. So... And my father was Jewish, right? So I grew up, only, and my father only had one sibling who lived in the South. So we never saw them. I grew up going to an Italian dinner every Sunday at 11 a.m. From wow. the, a little kid until I was through college, right? So I lived in this like weird world and we were raised, you know, I had a bar mitzvah, but my mother being the Catholic was the most Jewish one in my family. Yeah. It's crazy. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really practice. Is this a podcast, by the way? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know if you're going to start and go, okay, here's nah, the- I'll let all that fun shit in later. No, we get right okay, to it, right. Greg. Right. <laughs> we, we try to throw a little curveball. Yeah, right. Straight into the fire. Right into the fire. Usually it's John's job. John usually comes out swinging, but he's a little subdued today. I've got a roast. I've got a, I've got a brisket in the oven right now, and I'm just thinking about it, and I'm just like salivating over it. I'm just wow. really excited to eat it. But it's good to see you, Greg. <laughs> I wish I was there. I love brisket. Yeah, man. How was your uh, family vacation? It was good. We did a lot of a uh, lot of eating out, which Jesus Christ, it's expensive in New York, and especially when your kids don't really get the concept of like. You know, when you're at a nice restaurant, you don't get an appetizer and order from the bottom right side of the menu. Bottom right, that's not for you. That's not your area. That's that's Wall Street guy trying to get laid area. Yeah. You're, you're left, center left. And I can, kid goes, Adette, can I get a lobster? And I go, I don't know. Can you get an A? How about you get an A? And then you get a lobster. Yeah, I'm gonna start using that trick. My, it's so funny. That's so incredibly familiar because I. Ha- how old are your kids? Sixteen. No, what am I saying? Eighteen and twenty. Okay, so you're a little older than mine. Mine's fourteen or fifteen, fourteen, and gonna be eighteen. And my fourteen-year-old has like Rolls-Royce tastes. Right. Yeah. It's absurd. So yeah. last weekend I told John this story. He knows where I'm going. He's already laughing. He goes to this French bistro. Like it's, it's like, yeah, French bistro down the street from our house by the beach. And he goes with three of his little flyboy buddies, right? Uh-huh. They're a freshman in high school. Hadn't even started yet. They go down 
to eat in this place. And they ordered a lobster roll, steak fritz, frites, right? Um, this like special kind of chicken. It's called, uh, it's got some funky name. And a, no, it, it's like a, a, I don't know, not boiled, um, like baked chicken, but it's got a weird chicken name. I don't get it. Yeah. And cheese plate, their bill was $179 for four kids. They yeah. left the 6% tip. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I yell at my son about that. I'll ask him, show me your fucking check. I want yeah. to see how much tip you left on that. Right. And I, I told know, him the next then, day, when I found out, I'm like, you sons of bitches better walk back into that place and give that girl the 14% that you owe her. Like, you or you're right. never like, going out again. And then I come to find they ordered non-alcoholic beers and were served. Why wouldn't they be? Non-alcoholic, 14 year old kids? You can't, non-alcoholic beer has no alcohol. I, well, it does have a little bit of alcohol, but. No, it's, orange juice has more alcohol in it than non-alcoholic beer. Does it really? Yeah. Huh. It's but, negligible. So, no, I know it's negligible, but. I just, I just <laughs> see these fucking kids hanging out fucking drinking back some some Heineken's double zeros and like having a cheese plate and I had to ask the question I was like did they eat the cheese plate afterwards as like as like nice little desserts almost and no they didn't do that but if they had that fine taste that been fantastic but just seeing Greg's 14 year old kid fucking leg up fucking I love it. Does he have a job? Does he have? Oh, of course not. Doesn't have a job. He keeps telling me how he's going to go caddy at the golf club. I'm like, you know, it's about to be winter. Like, no one's playing golf. Right, right. In in Connecticut in the winter. Wait, where were you in? uh, Where in New York were you uh, vacationing? uh, The island. We stayed on the Upper West Side for about five days. Mm, Didn't even say hi. Gotcha. um, We went up to Westchester. And then we went to Hamilton, New York, which is uh, up where Colgate College is. I got a buddy who's got a house on a lake up there. Ooh. Ooh. Are you a lake guy? Do you do, do, you lake, do the guy. lake guy? He's got a rope swing. He's got this 50-foot rope <sighs> swing that goes up. He's got a, like a bank on the lake that's about eight feet high. And then he's got a lifeguard chair on top of that. And the rope hangs over the lake. And you go like swooping down. And then you come up. And then people all throw footballs at you, and you try to catch the football before you hit the water. And you caught one. I saw you posted it, right? I or did you caught throw? One. You caught yeah. it. Yeah. And then, and then we do a thing. And then he's got he's got a bocce court, ping pong table. He's got a wood a wood burning pizza oven outside. He's got canoes, kayaks. Um, he's got a hot tub. And then we play this thing called lake ball where one guy stands on the dock with a bat and there's a, there's a, a water hose that, that suspends the, the wiffle ball in midair and you hit it and then you dive in the water and all the fielders are out on like inner tubes and like floating chairs and they all chase the ball down. And then first base is like this buoy that he set up with an anchor. Second base is the top of the rope swing, the lifeguard chair, that's second base. Third base, you swing down off of it to another buoy. And then uh, and then home place back to the dock again. It's and we played for hours. It was unbelievable. It was it was like rain, there was a thunderstorm and we kept playing the game. <laughs> so, so wait, the ball is suspended off 
on a hose, the water shooting out? Yeah, the water shooting the air? up. Yeah, it's like a fountain. It's like a fountain that shoots up. And the right. ball, if you put it just right, it suspends the ball in midair. And then you hit it off so of that. Cool. Wow, that's what That's wild. so cool. Oh, my God. I mean, you must have had a blast up there. I mean, what were, was this the first time getting away since uh, the pandemic? Um, we, uh, you mean going on the road? Yeah, just like having like hanging out for vacation, or did you have, or were you able to grab some vacation time as soon as the uh, vax came out? Um, yeah, I've been I've been on the road like during during the, the pandemic. I went out like three or four times, three or four weekends, and then since the spring, since the vaccination, I've been out pretty regularly. You know, yeah. But you know, it was half full, half capacity rooms for a while, so that meant half half the paycheck, which <laughs> right. sucked. But now it's back to full capacity, hitting some bonuses. People are coming out. It's great. I think, I think I, I, I'm sure, I think I told you when we were in LA that I, I saw you in Plano like a week or two before right. the, the world, you know, shut down. Yeah. And was that the last time you went out before everything shut? Um, that was like the end of February. Yeah, that must have been it. Yeah, because I was supposed to come to New York. On St. Patrick's Day, I had this theater show in Long Island that was sold out. It was like oh. nice money. Right. And I was supposed to fly out. And like the day before I was getting on the plane, they were like, nah, we're canceling it. And that was it. And the worst is like, if they, if you had told me then it's going to be a year, I would have structured my year very differently. I would have really accomplished some shit. Like, <laughs> like to me, it felt like, it just turned into a holding pattern, like on a like in a car race when there's an accident and they and they wave the yellow flag and you don't pass anybody and you stay right. in your lane. That's kind of the mentality that I got into because I kept waiting for it to end. Yeah. Meanwhile, fucking assholes like Bo Burnham go and put out like this beautiful <laughs> creative special that he directed and lit and wrote and. And, and I was just like, oh, man, we, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair to not go into a low-grade depression and just jerk off so and watch Netflix. Uh, like 900 million people. But I, I think, I don't know if I told John this part about what, I, what was amazing on that night I saw you, is I went on a Thursday, right? Because I just happened to be in town. I always check out the clubs when I'm traveling, which is usually a lot pre all this shit. And I saw you were in Plano and Plano was like 45 minutes from where I was staying. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to see this show. I'm not, you know, why wouldn't I do that? So I go, it's Thursday night. We're sitting there in the front and you come out and you start talking and you start talking to a couple of people in the audience and you asked them how much they paid for their tickets. And they were like, it was free. And then you walked <laughs> off stage. <laughs> right. And I, I'm a, I was hysterical. I was like, this is amazing. He just told, and John, if you've never been to this club, it's a long walk from the stage to where, like. It was a walk, commitment. It was a commitment. It, it was. Yeah. Like, you committed to the Commit bit. Commit to the bit, baby. Yeah. Commit to the and bit. It was on stage. It was, it was like he did an encore pre-show. Like, going yeah. down, waited yeah. a couple of minutes, and then comes back, and it was so incredibly funny. Did you know that it was free on Thursdays? No, I had no idea. Right. You know, I show up, I'm expecting like commit and it was an, it was a decent turnout. So I was like, all right, good. You know, people people care. They're not that scared of the pandemic. They're gonna reach into their pockets. And then uh yeah, no, that was 
That was too low stakes. Yeah, I, I, was, need, I need some commitment from my audience. I'm like, he had to know that it's Thursday night's free night in this place because <laughs> they advertise it on for all their shows. Thursday night free, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, whatever. And I, I mean, I was in tears. It's how the fuck did they? How did they afford to pay me? I have no idea. Well, that you know we what? Had, we hit we hit that we hit that bonus off drink sales, baby. Thursday wow. price is a little bit higher, I bet you, on on a, on a Bud Light yeah, than on a right. Saturday night. I mean, I, that's the no, only. It was way kind I of a do. hipster space. It, it's like it was like an art gallery space, and it was yeah. a lot of hipsters. Like I think it was more like Pabst Blue Ribbons. Yeah. PAs. It yeah. it was a weird club. It was like in a, a like a weird strip mall, and it was just like a big. It looked like you know you just next door neighbor was a typical Chinese food place and then the gym next door and right. it was a weird weird place which I I think they closed that location down now. Yeah, but I mean well, like I everyone we always talk a, about these. I think there's another club opening in Plano. I think Helium Comedy Club is open. Oh really? Oh maybe they took that. Yeah, I, I heard that. But we always make fun of these like strip mall and mall, uh, you know, comedy uh, clubs. But like, if you really look at it, like if you look at New York City, like it's kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? The cellar was right next to a McDonald's and like, you know, you know, the three sheets, you know, we've got other places, you know, you can come up by us. We're next to a Marshall's for God's sake in the Upper West <laughs> yeah. Side. So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, is it weird? Yeah. Is it, but is it far off? I mean, no, not really. I mean, even LA, I mean, once you get out of the store right over there, there's, there's there's that that taco place right next door and it's like this gigantic well there's uh, tons of good clubs that are in malls like uh um, yeah. you got uh a cap city comedy club in austin is in a strip mall and it's like one of the best clubs ever yeah um you know the punchline in san francisco is in a mall it's literally in a mall so is levity in, in nyack yeah that's yeah i know <laughs> And that yeah. rocks. I love that. Yeah. The only thing is when they put up their talent at that hotel across the street and literally all the hotel rooms look out to a, to a graveyard. <laughs> 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 it's just one of those things. Moses storm has posted about it. You know, like, it's like, it's like one of those things, like just so quintessential that you're like, ah, oh, let me get checked in. And you just open up the blinds and just, rows of dead people you're just like, yeah uh, yeah <laughs> greg what do you think about uh well, i mean you talked about like just masturbating and fucking learning uh, maybe not but uh throughout the whole pandemic watch netflix did you were you did you do anything creative that you that, that you're, you're proud of i didn't do shit i didn't do anything i um you know i had all good intentions and i did like uh morning there's a thing called the artist way it's a book about how to be creative and it tells you to do your morning pages. So you wake up in the morning, you make a cup of coffee and you sit down for half an hour and you write and you don't do anything else. You just, and you keep moving your fingers, whatever comes out, comes out. So I, I did that for a couple months and I got a lot of pages done. And then you try to find stuff in there that's usable for a standup or, or for something else. Cause the whole idea is you're just kind of collecting your thoughts and putting them down because that's the first step in writing is just getting words on the page. Cause really writing is rewriting. And the hardest step is when you're staring at an empty page. So I found that to be really helpful and I got some stuff out of that. And I did write, I wrote one sitcom script, which is not bad. And then I came up with a show with my friend that we sold to, uh, to true TV. We sold this comedy game show 
Oh, nice. Yeah, so we've been going back and forth with them during the during the quarantine, giving them stuff. Uh, we just handed in a casting reel for it, and uh, so we'll see what happens with that. When, when Where are you going to be filming it? Uh, in yeah. L.A. or New York? Oh, L.A., yeah. L.A.? Do you, when would it come out? Do you, do you miss New York for, for things like that when you're when you're when you're uh, you know encountering like these you know these pilots and these new shows? Would you rather be in New York or LA to do it? Um, definitely LA. I've 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 show run stuff in New York and it's fucking brutal. It's really hard to get. You know, if writers are good, they're usually already working. Whereas in LA, you've got a lot lot bigger pool of talent to pull from. You've got more studio space, um, and I'm and I'm staying in my own house instead of being in a fucking Airbnb for four months. <laughs> so uh, no, I pre- I prefer it, but you know it is the thing I like about New York is like I worked on Crashing for a few seasons, and I would spend the summer in New York. I like because we would write during the fall and the winter, and then in the spring we would come to New York, and it was just me and one other person would come and do the actual punch up on set. And so I love that because I, you know, I never, I never got Brooklyn, like having grown up in New York, I never spent much time in Brooklyn. And then I left, I left New York 21 years ago. So Brooklyn only kind of emerged in terms of uh, stand up, the stand up scene since I left. So I hadn't been out there. So it was kind of cool to, I'd write during the day and then at night I'd go out and I'd do spots at the knitting factory or, you know, I'd go into the cellar a lot. And I just love the fact that you can jump on a city bike to connect to a subway, to connect to a fucking boat back to, back to Brooklyn. There's so many ways to get around. And it's like it, the city becomes so much smaller now. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty wild, you know, what's happened with Brooklyn in the last, I mean, I, I think it's more the last 10 years than the last 20 years. How it's, yeah. how, you know, I mean, I left New York City as a permanent resident in 2002 two and you know i would i had friends that would live in like park slope or brooklyn heights but that's about you know like park slope was kind of the line like you didn't really you know like it was it and now i have people you know friends who live literally like in what would have been considered the worst part of brooklyn you wouldn't go there unless you really were on a death wish and now that's just oh yeah that's why is the hot the hot spot yep Oh, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. And I mean, Bed-Stuy is infamously in that Billy Joel song as a place to not walk around in. But it's 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 weird that I always um, use Billy Joel as a reference for tough neighborhoods. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. He's the toughest of the tough guys. Yeah. Uh, he's a Long Island guy. He knows what is. I mean, as a Jersey kid, I kind of like, like, oh, yeah. I mean, my dad was still like, uh, badass. Still, he's still, you know, like my dad who in the 80s was uh you know he, he was working downtown he still uh like is, is nervous about certain neighborhoods and i'm like you do understand that it's been a long time like i remember one time i dropped off in downtown and i was like just take a cab back up the upper west side and he goes but i, I don't have any cash and i go they take credit cards now like i just yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things right. but it was but one of the things though uh greg is i always hear is that everybody's like oh the brooklyn comedy scene brooklyn comedy scene did you find it alty out in Brooklyn? Yeah, I hated it. I, I yeah? Hated it. Very judgmental, very PC. Uh, I found they were very entitled. Like, the audience felt like they were more important than the performer. Like, you were there by the grace of them. And mm. 
and I felt like there was an agenda about the kind of comedy they wanted to hear. And I'm just not into that. And I just, I'd rather go to the cellar or the stand or stand up New York or uh, New York comedy club, like places where you get more of a mixture of people. Sure. So how did, like, how do you react to that when you, when you're, when you're in that environment and you're either about to do a set or you have to go to another set and, and you're like, ugh, like these people suck. Yeah. I, I don't handle it well. I usually lash out at them and I call, I call them on it. And then it's like 25%. Shocker, shocker Greg. 20, what's that? I said shocker. <laughs> well, like 25% of them love it. They dig it. And then 75% just fucking shut down on you like little fucking pussies. Right. And so I don't care though. Cause I'll take that 25%. Sure. Yeah. The only reason I asked that question is that, you know, during the pandemic, uh, we did like all these sh a shit ton of shows, you know, all over the city uh, in parks. And we started doing park shows out in Brooklyn over at, uh, you know, Park Slope and things of that nature, or Cooper Park. And one of the things that everyone always says that you can't be a Brooklyn comic and be a club comic at the same time. But I'm finding it more and more that some of this alt, alt stuff seems to be working sometimes um, in our rooms, um, you know. Like even what I see, like what Esty's putting up sometimes is a little bit, um, you know, it's got a voice, but it can be considered a little bit um, a more on the alternative side. Well, I think the seller always did that. I mean, when I was back in New York, there was guys like Rick Shapiro that were really kind of avant-garde. Um, I mean, Marin was, I would consider Marin an alt comic and he was a regular at the seller. Um, I think the line was more blurred back then. There were guys that like, like I would go down and do Luna Lounge on Ludlow Street, and then I would go to the cellar afterwards, and I would see a lot of the same comics: Louis C.K., Todd Barry, Jeff Ross. Like we were working both both kinds of rooms, but now it seems like when you go to a place like the UCB, they really don't want to hear um, attitude comedy as much. They really want to hear you open up about your fucking biography. It's like they've all taken classes on how to do stand-up. And it all has to be about, well, my dad was Persian, but since I'm gay, I had to go to... Oh, please. Are you... Uh, is, I, it's not fucking Is, um, do you, uh, and, and I'm not gonna, but... Do you think that there is a pussification of our industry as of late? It depends. I mean, it is what you make of it. You know, I mean, I think if you accept the parameters that that room is trying to give you, then you're a pussy. And then I think if you do whatever it is that you do, whatever your style is, whatever your act is, you should do it wherever you go. And uh, I think the danger is when people start trying to figure out what the audience wants and then tries to give it to them. That's not what comedy is. Comedy is, I've got a vision, I've got a perspective, um, here's what makes me laugh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convince a crowd to laugh at this. Who, so you're working from the inside out, not the outside in. Right. Who, who drew your Sunday Papers cartoon? Behind oh, you? well, we actually have, we have a different one every single week. We've been doing this show for a year and a half. So we've done like 75 shows. Every single episode, we have different fan-generated logo and a different fan song. We have a different theme song every single week. That's so cool. Yeah. 
that's so dope. It's amazing how fans kind of come around and like are able to like do things. Uh, I've watched a lot of these YouTube videos on wrestling, and uh, the fandom is like I'll, I'll get deep into the Reddit threads and and kind of do you do you see that as well with Sunday papers that like they talk to each other and there's almost a community of people that kind of build each other up. I hear these stories of people that are like. Um, uh, one one person like was flooded out, uh, obviously during the during this last uh, hurricane that just kind of hit us, and hasn't had a place to stay. And this Reddit thread that I was reading, all these people kind of came together and were able to uh, find this person housing for him and his grandmother uh, for really? the next like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Are you do you, do you have the same kind of uh, uh, collection of people that are you know kind of like uh, it's, it's it's almost a weird kind of cultish uh, with your following. It's really nice. Like when I go, um, you know, people send me stuff all the time. Like this guy knows that I play golf with my son and he custom makes putters, really high end putters. These are like four or $500 putters. Whoa. And so he, he had to send our measurements and what colors we wanted and what style of putter. And, and he sent us those. And then other people will send you like, um, you know, artwork, um, this one woman from the Netherlands sent me this care package with all this Dutch candies and, uh, cookies in it. And, you know, it's really nice. It's like, it's the more personal, the better. I love, I love getting that stuff. People, people are very generous. You got to make it into t-shirts. What's that? You got to make all those drawings into t-shirts for your merch store. I think we're going to do coffee cups for Christmas this year. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're having a contest. We're gonna put the top ten logos that we like on the website, and the listeners are gonna vote, and we're gonna pick the top one and make a coffee mug for Christmas. Oh, that's sweet. I mean, that one behind you is really cool. Yeah, it's nice, right? Yeah, it's it's really it's killer. Are you still making selling pins at your shows? Oh yeah, selling those <laughs> pins, baby. You gotta have them. They, you know, I have one. I it's the same guy that made yours made one of me. Oh really? Me too. Yeah, and. Yeah, Great job. Oh my what, God. They are awesome. It's better than going on the road with a suitcase full of t-shirts. I got oh. a baggie. I got a freezer baggie full of pins. Yep. Put it right in my bag. Um, cash only, no credit cards, no Venmo, no bullshit. Yep. Yep. I don't need some guy standing there, you know, oh wait, which, how do you spell Fitzsimmons? No, fuck <laughs> you. Give me a $10 bill or you move on. I, I don't need to lose eight customers because you can't spell Fitzsimmons. <laughs> want the pin you give me cash amen it's because i bought two pins from you at the show in plano because for one i'm like all right this show is free you i mean like it's my duty to have to at least spend 20 bucks on a couple of pins so i bought the pins and i i i had such a good time watching people come up to you to buy these pins i and i i must have stood there for 10 minutes just watching people come up and i'm like he has to want to just literally take someone out by their legs at this point like everyone wants to take a picture but you know tell you the story about something and i, I mean i i know it's kind of cool to interact with your fans that way but at some point you just don't want to hear about some kid's sister <laughs> you know i mean it's it's tough because like i try to be kind of emotionally available to people as they right. come out because it means a lot to me that they made it out and i do like putting a face to a listener, you know, sure. a lot of these people are podcast fans, and I like to, I like to know a little bit about them. But there is inevitably over the course of the weekend one or two people that have had too much to drink, and they don't respect your personal space. Yeah, they 
super close, especially with COVID. Like, don't don't fucking talk into my face, you know, <laughs> face. And he, you know, you want to take a selfie, but you haven't pulled up the phone app, the the camera app, and so your girlfriend's trying to figure out, and your phone is locked. She doesn't know the password. Fifteen people have now left without a pin. You know, <laughs> fucking get your shit together. You got to do it with the deli machine. Like, you got to get the numbers. So people come up when they're called. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Somebody did show me that on Venmo that there's like a uh, a barcode that people can just yeah. scan. come up and scan. Yep. I might try that. But this way, you know, un- Uncle Sam don't need to know about my... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all that pin money that's in the suitcase on the way home. I mean, I'll have to say that it was like for a... Pri- yeah, you can, you can get away with it. I mean, but... Um, do you have a lot of comics, uh, younger comics that come up to you after after shows um, on the road? Um, and what's your biggest advice that you kind of give them? Oh, Jesus. What advice do you give a comedian? No, but like, let's say you got a comic and I'll take this, I'll, take, I'll, I'll deep in a little bit. I mean, in New York, it's, you know, uh, it's in LA, you could probably, one, I think that it's kind of, you're, you kind of know what the system is, but what's your advice to somebody in fucking Plano, Texas? That that is open micing it right now. That barely maybe does one mic at most a week. Like, how do you like? What kind of advice do you fucking give them to 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 make it in their comedy career or to or just to do something more? Well, I think it's all about you know. Right now is an amazing time to to be starting out in comedy because there's so many outlets for your creativity, and I think you know you guys know what it's like to try to produce comedy shows and. That's something that if you've got the personality for that, that's a really good route to get stage time because say you start a show in a coffee house and all of a sudden all these comics want to be on your show and then maybe some of those comics produce their own shows and so there's a little bit of a symbiotic relationship. And then and it also guarantees you you can get on there regularly. So that I always tell people to try to do that. I also think like come up uh, a way that you're going to put your content online, whether it's a podcast or, you know, uh, a series of Instagram videos or, um, you know, write a comic strip, whatever, like come up with a way that you're going to express yourself because you don't get better unless you do, you have to do, you know, and like just creating content that helps you find your voice. And it doesn't always have to be just doing stand up. You know, you might, you might flesh out your, your stand-up voice by doing um, man on the street videos. You know, you, you, it's all it's all one muscle, and you gotta you gotta work it out. So just stay busy and stay in your stay in your town. You know, like Plano, Texas. You got Dallas right there. You can drive to Houston, wherever. Like, you know, there, there's so many comedy scenes that when you're starting out, you're better off being in than a big market like New York or L.A. Yeah. What? How did how did you take all the outdoor shows in in LA the last you know year? Like, do you like that or um, the, the one you did with us? Yeah, was obviously weird, right? Because of the layout and the format of that place. But like, I imagine yeah, that was the outdoor weird, show. That was a weird layout. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's. I like that people show up. I mean, I think it's kind of implicit when somebody shows up that they want to be entertained and that they want to partake in this social experiment that is stand-up comedy. It's like they're saying, I'll take the leap of faith and sit in a chair without my phone on and not talk, and I will listen to you. 
And that's, that's something that as a performer, I always feel I take that seriously. You know, that's a, it's, it's a social contract that we've made that I'm going to do my best to make you laugh. Even, even if that means I'm going to shit on you, it's still, that's my way of making you laugh. Right. But I'm going to give you 100% no matter what, no matter what the situation, you know, if it's, if it's on a fucking boat, if it's on a video, if, if I'm doing a cat, I just did a cameo for somebody about 20 minutes ago. You know, you got to give it a hundred percent because people are, they're giving you something and right. you have to give it back. And was it, what was, what, what was the weirdest place that you did a show during the pandemic? Uh, well, there was this, um, the most interesting, weirdest or interesting. There was, there was this yard in Los Feliz that was like, it looked like Vietnam. It was like shrubs and bushes. And uh, I think the guy had like garden tours that he did during the day. And then at night he set up this stage and there was a tree house with like a dozen people in it that was like way up I've, here. I've, right. Yes, I've seen clips of this place. <laughs> yeah, it was insane because each audience member was stuck behind a different shrub <laughs> embedded throughout this yard. And uh, it was fucking weird and it was bring your own booze they were all fucked up it was yeah. crazy <laughs> show. how did it feel to see a real audience though after that like and and playing in a club i mean obviously pandemic you're getting booked again on the road you're getting full rooms how would how did it feel that first full room there had to be like there had to, did you have a sense of like almost being nervous i think i was more like it made me focus more because I was worried that I wouldn't remember my act. And so I, I would bring a sheet of paper up on stage with me and I put it on the stool. And I was actually surprised how little I had to look at the paper. Like it kind of came back to me, but I had some bits that I had been working on before the pandemic. And, uh, I started them. And then halfway through, I realized I have no idea how the rest of this joke goes. And I would have to wing it and come up with a new ending because I didn't remember the original ending. <laughs> And uh, that was interesting. But I think the audience understood that we were all, you know, getting back to it again. This was, this was makeup sex. Right. It's not going to be great. I'm not, you, you may not come, but I'm going to give it 100%. I'm going to do some oral. We're going to talk afterwards. <laughs> A little light pillow talk afterwards. Pillow I'm sorry talk. about that. I just... <laughs> Lots of apologizing to didn't, didn't mean to hurt you. <laughs> I got a leg cramp. I apologize. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I can we just talk about the Stern show for a second? And um I how long were you actively like guesting on the show? Because it like you were on the show a million times. Yeah, I did it like 40 or 50 times. I was on I guess I started around 2000. Right. And, uh, and I, geez, I don't know how many years, probably a dozen, at right. least maybe 15, probably about 15 years. Yeah. And uh, it was, um, you know, and then the, and then he gave me my own show for, right. I was on for about 10 years. Yeah. And it got to where I was the only show on the channel except for his. Right. For like a year because all the other shows, got canceled because they started returning to 
eventually they just wanted Stern. They realized that the listeners only want to hear Stern on the Stern channels. And so they went to just reruns of him rather than new programming, but it was a good run. And, uh, and then his show is his show in terms of going on it. Now it used to be five hours a day, five days a week. And now it's three hours a day, three days a week yeah. with a lot of vacation weeks. And so the, the, the lists, the guest list is like, you know, Jennifer Aniston, maybe Gene Simmons, if he's lucky, right. like they just, don't, they just don't bring in comics anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's a shame. It's a slightly different show. I still think it's a very high quality show. Sure. Um, I like what he's doing now, but um, yeah, but I had a nice run. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I, I was a, and you know, I still am, I consider myself a, a regular listener, but you know, I, I was a really everyday listener for, you know, up until probably five, six, seven years ago. And maybe when Artie ultimately left. Um, and I still went through a little while, but that was, you know, when it seemed like you were on the show, like every week, you know, and those were awesome shows. And to me, it seems like the show, yes, his, his guest list is what you said it is, but that's not what I grew up on Howard Stern. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I grew up yeah. on Howard Stern and, you know, when he was on K-Rock in the 80s in the afternoon, you know, listening to Lesbian dial date on my boombox playing basketball right. and, you know, through those years. And I think the years that Artie was on were my favorite years of that show. Right. Yeah. And it's such a different yeah. show now. It's obviously it's a great show. He's probably one of the best interviewers of all time. Not probably is one of the best interviewers of all time, but it's a much different show now even though that he still talks about sex and all the same shit he's always talked about, but it's, it's just a more grown up show. Were you a Howard loyalist, uh, Greg, or did you like go over to the O and a world a little bit? No, no O and a never did it. No interest. Really? The lines were drawn. When I was on the show, the lines were drawn, you know, there was, they, they bad mouthed each other. And I felt like it wasn't, I, I never loved that show. I only listened to it a few times, but I, I, I never loved it. I know certain comics like Louis C.K. liked it, and there was a bunch of comics that went on there that were good, and certainly Jim Norton and people like that made a career out of it. Totally. But right. uh, I was I was on the home team. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I Honestly, I probably listened to that show twice, maybe. You know, bits it's a funny thing. I was the complete opposite. I listened. I was an ONA fanatic. For, I was a 1027 guy. I didn't listen to Howard. That's a Jersey um, thing. I don't think it was a Jersey thing. I think it was just, I think one of the things was that there was, uh, I don't know. I think there was more when, when, when Howard went, I think there was more of, it was an interview. I think there was more shock in jock with ONA than anything. Um, I think uh, Howard found his groove and, you know, as being like a teenage kid, I, I almost kind of, I, I like that kind of humor. I mean, things like Stephen Lynch that were just like, so audacious people screwing in freaking in vestibules at churches. Um, it kind of spoke to me, but Howard was more of a, a person that uh, I've always felt was a good interviewer. I've never, I've never really thought of him. Even when watching private parts, I was like, really, that was Howard Stern, the whole fart man thing and everything like that. Um, but I don't know. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting to hear how like, like those were lines that were drawn. I was looking at Howard as more like P.T. Barnum. Like he understands a good sideshow act. He understands sure. what makes people intrigued, what makes people laugh, what makes people listen and talk about the show. Um, 
I think he knows when an interview is starting to sag. He knows when to poke a little bit yep. and start asking the questions like, have you ever, you know, had a lesbian experience? Have you taken up the ass? You know, the standard questions that I loved. I loved when he would have fucking, you know, uh, uh, like Demi Moron and then ask her if she'd had anal. It was like, who would do that? It's yeah. fucking crazy. <laughs> like that's fa like he but did he with Gwyneth Paltrow, like famously. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just think he, he knows, he knows where the line is. And, uh, and I think he's just a guy who's always looked at radio as like, what would I want to hear if I was listening? And I, he kind of does that. I mean, I think, I don't think there's anyone in the history of entertainment that's made more people part of the show and like, and no, like a, a known part of the show than he has. Clearly Howard is, is the man, right. But all the, you know, all the, the, you know, the whack pack and even the other guys on the show, he's, you know, they've all become stars in, in the sphere of the Howard Stern show. Right. But some have gone farther than that. And I can't think of any show or anything that the main guy on the show has done that for such a wide range of people since he started his show. Well, you know, maybe Ed Sullivan, he launched uh, these guys called the Beatles. No, 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 no. This I don't. Named no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I don't mean it that way. I mean that people that are regulars on the show have, he's had such a wide umbrella and net of people that are regular. I mean, yeah, Beetlejuice was just nominated for Academy Awards. So <laughs> yeah, I heard that. that really <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I okay fine. The Take the Beatles out of it. Take the Beatles out of it. You win. Uh, I mean, listen, I mean, I don't know how many times I've listened to C-SPAN and heard Baba Booey, Baba Booey's Howard Stern, Howard Stern. <laughs> You're on golf tour all the time. What was that, Greg? I'm What's sorry. That? I said, no, you hear, you hear Baba Oh, that still Booey. makes me happy every time. Yeah, every time. <laughs> Hearing Baba Booey is my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, <laughs> watching the Masters. Yeah. <laughs> or I love it when the sports guy uses a stern reference, you know, when someone hits a home run, you know, or something like that. Touch up. Yeah. Anyway. Hit him with the hind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, John. Sorry that uh, I lost. I lose on the, the Beatles comparison. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's a big fucking statement. It's not what I was yeah. saying. <laughs> I didn't say he launched bigger people. I mean, Ass Napkin Ed really has. He's selling out a lot of the like fire fire stations in Eastern Pennsylvania. <laughs> really Listen, I've seen that Jeff Jeff the Drunk Lollapalooza show. It's wild. It, it sells out. To yeah. It's stay, stay right. worthy. Blue Iris can't beat that. Oh man. Anyway. <laughs> do you still listen to speaking back to radio though i mean like do you listen to terrestrial radio do you listen to sirius xm or anything like that greg now i was just listening to stern on my way over to my office um, is that all you listen to i listen to stern yeah i mean he's been off for the last week or two so I'm, i was happy to put it on and, and he was back today yeah um but then there's a there's a station in in uh la that's really good it's like 88 Point six or something. It's like an, it's like a public funded um, alternative rock station, and um, you know LA radio. I don't love. There's really like K Rock is too like third eye blindish. That that arena of stuff. Right. Um, you know, there's uh, there's no there's no great stations in LA. I, I I always preferred New York stations. I liked. Uh, 
FUV, the Fordham public station. Yeah. Really good. Um, you know, and I w grew up listening to WNEW. WNEW you listen to? Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, the way of like kind of talk radio, I feel has, has gone away. And this is something that I, because I, I used to be in, I was in radio at, at Seton Hall, I was at 89.5. And I always thought to myself, I wanted to be a broadcaster until I didn't. Um, but I, I almost feel like, you know, that that kind of art form is now gone. Um, and it's sad because I almost feel that there would be, if, if we had terrestrial radio now that was like at the peak and the height that it was, would comics have a better shot of kind of getting in there and kind of making it? Right. Well, you know, I think right now podcasting is the new radio and you see that people are able to um, cut out all the fat all the commercials, you know, you had a lot of people that were good DJs and had a lot to say, but had to play records that they didn't want to play. And, you know, I grew up, my father was in radio my whole life. He was on, he was on WNEW AM my whole life. And, you know, he would have been a great podcaster, but instead he had to play like a fucking, you know, Burt Bacharach song and, and, and some show tune and then, and then talk for three minutes and then play a commercial. And, you know, I think that the, the ability to sit down and do what we just did and just talk with no interruptions and have listeners be able to go right to the meat of it without any distractions. Like it's, it's over terrestrial's over. Yeah. Right. I mean, there was just, I mean, I know one more hint uh, uh, on uh, just topic on there was the idea of like the intros of com of, of, of music, you know, Duran, Elvis Duran, but one of my favorites in New York, was Broadway Billy. I don't know if you guys remember who Broadway Billy was, but he was this yeah. DJ who did rhymes and he's got a TikTok out now that's like blowing the fuck up. And it's so great to kind of like people being like, oh, that's so cool how, how he does rhymes and, uh, and and mixes it. And he and he says it and he says his last part right before the lyrics start. And I was like, ah, that's just, that that's an, that's an art form that will never be there ever again. But Greg, listen, um, I know that you got to go, but uh, Greg, you want to ask our final question? Let's let's flip it around this time, oh, buddy. Oh, sure. So, Greg, um, we'll make it really quick. You got to jump. What was the best thing you ate in the last few weeks? Oh, always end on food. The best thing I've ate in the last few weeks. So, from vacation forward. Since vacation, because yeah, vacation was nonstop. We went to Barney Greengrass in New York. Right. Oh, hell yeah. The Sturgeon King. And, you know, we got like lox and whitefish, the best bake in New York. Next that, time that you're in town, next time you're in town, 72nd Street, there's a pastrami queen now. A pastor oh, really? Yeah. Pastrami okay. queen right on 72nd. Uh, and I think it's like, yeah, it's. It's right, right before the, like literally right before the park. It's fantastic. But you heard about uh, about Barney's though that it shut down for a little bit because of health code violations. Oh, I didn't know that. Still good, still good. Why? Like I still go there. Health code violations. Oh Jesus, really? Yeah, that place is antiquated. <laughs> they still have a push button cash register, and they only take cash. You got in for the and lift. They, like, 
everything is the same as it was 100 years ago when it opened. So I can imagine there's, yeah, there's a couple pieces of dirty fish in the corner somewhere that he needs to <laughs> The reason they oh, can't find square. So is that it? Would that be the best? Would that be your best or you have something that tops it? I think for the New York trip, that was the best. But then since I've been back, um, my wife does this baked salmon with vegetables that she made a couple nights ago. And, you know, she was never like much of a cook. Like she made food. I don't cook. She makes all the food. And it was always decent. I was always healthy. Right. But then recently started getting into like trying to really cook some good meals and looking yep. up recipes and she's kicking ass and this fucking salmon dish it was so goddamn good i made love to her that night i performed oral honestly longer than i would normally do because of the meal that she made <laughs> man's heart is through the through his stomach for sure through salmon through a delicious salmon entree yeah well there's no better way to wrap than on that note <laughs> Greg, thanks so much, man. We'll fucking see you when we're out in town. And dude, when you're back in New York, please come see us or we'll uh, we'll grab a.